Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. For almost four decades, the members of our community have found a lot more than just the Sunday message. They've discovered a family setting of like-minded people. Whether it's coffee and conversation in our cafe, shopping in our store, or joining a discussion group, Unity offers many ways to deepen that spiritual and personal connection. We invite you to see if this might be your spiritual home. Grace under pressure, poise under pressure, being able to be more skillful in how we move through our lives and how we deal with the things that come up. Because no matter how, no matter how much we have learned and no matter how consistent we are in our spiritual practice, stuff still happens, right? Whether it's the weather, whether our plans are turned upside down, whether we get sudden bad news for ourselves or for a loved one, there's so much in life that, that is out of our control, even when we practice these ideas and these teachings. But what the practice does is it absolutely equips us to be able to handle whatever it is that's surfacing, whatever it is that's coming up, in a much better way, in a much more mindful way. So poise under pressure, moving with grace. If you are just joining us in the room today or online, I have been sharing with you some of the things that I learned through a practice I took up for a few years. I stopped the, the physical aspect of the practice a while ago, but the practice that I took up for a few years was the Japanese martial art of Aikido. And it is a martial art that is quite unlike most others. It was founded by Moriai Ushiba in 1940. He was a man very skilled in all of the martial arts that were popular when he was a, a young man growing up, and he became very proficient in them. But he had a spiritual awakening. That's what I would call it. And in his awakening, he came to the conclusion that winning by defeating someone wasn't really winning. And he decided that he was going to find a different way to employ his strength and his spiritual practice, and it became the martial art of Aikido. And what makes it different than most other martial arts is it has at its core the purpose and the intention and the commitment to do two things, to protect oneself from physical harm that's coming in one's way, but at the same time to do everything possible to not cause harm to the person who's attacking you. And in that, it is a very deeply spiritual practice. And though I stopped practicing it physically because it can be pretty hard on the body, and it is a very strenuous and um, somewhat challenging um, art. The concepts of it live inside of me to this day. The concepts are so grounded in spiritual principles and practices. In fact, if you were to, to um, Google Moriai Ushiba, the founder of Aikido, and read some of the things he wrote about, whether it was Aikido or about life, you'd say, my gosh, he really sounds like a kindred spirit. He really sounds like someone that would be sitting in a unity community. 
because spiritual principle and spiritual truth is universal and it can come to us from many, many different avenues. As he got older, he started to talk more and more about the importance of our global human family, the importance of how we show up and how we treat one another with kindness and awareness and love and respect. And though he was very proficient in this particular martial art, he was deeply a man of non-resistance and non-violence and a peaceful way of, of living. So my, as I've shared with you before, my desire to put myself on the mat and have myself be thrown around and learn how to not just tumble, but take falls and, and deal with somebody coming at me was a spiritual decision. I wanted to feel in my body the things and principles that we teach. I wanted to feel in my body this idea of flow. I wanted to feel in my body this idea of strength and power that can come not from power over someone else, but from mastery. And in that practice, as we would be on the mat and we would learn about very broad and general concepts, I found that I could take these very broad and general concepts into the way that I was dealing with stuff at home or stuff here in the church or just stuff in my life. So this idea of moving with grace, the power of Irimi is the comes from a shape of form in Aikido, and that is the shape of the triangle. Let me go back for a quick second and tell you the other shapes. There are basically three shapes, the shape of the square. When you think of a square, what do you think of? Solid. I think of something solid. I think of something foundational. I think of something reliable, something steady, something basic. If you're a practitioner of yoga, there are certain yoga positions, right? that help you to become more stable, to be able to hold your energy, hold your balance. That's another thing that we get from the idea, the concept of the square, is balance and foundation. And of course, in, for us, <clears throat> excuse me, in spiritual practice, it is what are the basic teachings that we have? What are the basic values that we have? That we're gonna build our life upon those to give us that solid foundation. And so whether you're talking about Aikido or you're talking about life, it's the idea of the squareness, the balance, the steadiness. And then we explored last week the idea of the circle, of blending, and so much of Aikido on the mat is about blending with, not in opposition to, but blending with this idea of embracing. What does that sound like for us as spiritual practice, right? We try to embrace the other. We try to find a point of understanding, a point of connection, a point of compassion. The triangle, which is what we're looking at today and what that means in our lives personally, how we actually practice this, comes from the idea of Irimi. The, tri the triangle and Irimi literally means entering deeply into something entering deeply in, entering deeply in or around or behind in an effort to diffuse or neutralize the negative energy that may be coming at you. So it is very much a forward movement. 
It is very much the willingness to step into something rather than to step away from it. To step into something rather than to step away from it. To not be afraid. How many of you have found that when you've been really worried about something or really afraid of something, that the fear and the self-talk and the imagery in your head is often worse than if you just stepped into it, right? I see you nodding your head, and I imagine online you are as well. Yes, because we, we almost make it bigger in our minds, and we can't solve it in our minds. We have to, what? Face it. We have to enter in to it. So Irimi means literally the act of entering into life. As I say those words, I'm reminded of the, the times that we have looked together at Brene Brown's work and her, her work around the idea of wholehearted living and the importance of leaning in and not pulling away, of facing and meeting rather than putting our heads in the sand or avoiding, right? So Arimi is the act of entering into life, not trying to avoid it. Does that sound practical to you? Yeah, it sounds very practical to me. Think of some situation in your life right now, maybe that you've just kind of been avoiding, or maybe something that you've been afraid to really kind of look at. What if you were to look at it? What if you were to enter into it more directly? How many relationships and marriages have gone sideways, for example? Because underneath there's been this feeling of something's not right, but neither partner wants to really look at it and face it and meet it, and therefore what? It, 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 it can't be resolved. It can't be resolved. So it's the leaning in, the entering in, not avoiding. Aikido master Wendy Palmer, black belt, I don't remember how many levels of, of black she achieved, but in a book that she's written about Aikido and its practicality off the mat, she writes, Irimi, it's a way of consciously exploring our fear that provides an opportunity to understand what holds us back and prevents us from living fully. If we think about it, on the other side of our fear, is the opportunity to live life more fully, right? To live life more fully. She writes, I often say, if you are afraid of something, become interested in it. Stop for just a moment and think about that. I think that's very wise. If you find you're afraid of something, become interested in it. Become curious about it. By entering into a situation, we may begin to change our experience of it. Fear often begins to dissipate at this point. There's an element of generosity here as well. We give ourselves to the moment. No holding back, no watching or observing from the outside. We make a complete surrender into the moment. Meeting it. Dealing with it. Sometimes... In our practice of some of the techniques that we have in metaphysics that we have in unity, we sometimes use them, I think, either incorrectly, superficially, or ignorantly. I'm thinking of the way that 
Sometimes people use the tool and technique of affirmations, the power of the, the spoken word. They are effective. Affirmations can be very effective. But affirmations are not meant to be used to cover over a situation that needs to be looked at. The situation needs to be looked at, met with the triangle. When you think of it, entering into it, not avoiding it, entering into it, being able to see it, call it what it is, understand it, then the application of those affirmations, those statements of what is absolutely true, become effective and powerful, but not as a band-aid over something that needs to be cleansed or acknowledged first. So Arimi is the act of entering into life, not avoiding it. A second idea about this energy of Arimi or this energy of moving with grace is that it's about the idea of clarity and wisdom. If you watch Aikido done on the mat at the higher levels, you see the clear movements forward of the person who is trying to deflect the energy of the attacker. And that clarity comes from hours and hours of practicing the basics. Then there is that, that what is it called, um, body memory of how to enter into an experience. But for us in the living in our lives, it's about the idea of developing clarity and wisdom. It reminds me, you know, we, we earlier this year explored Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. And this idea of clear and wise, clarity and wisdom, reminds me so much of the second habit, right? The habit of beginning with the end in mind, knowing what you're going toward. When we know what we're going toward, it becomes so much easier to make decisions, right? It becomes easier for us to know what to say no to or leave aside because we know where we're going. We have a sense of clarity, a sense of purpose that allows us to know what to say no to and what to say yes to, yes to. So this Irimi energy of clarity and wisdom one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is a story about King Solomon. What is an adjective that's often associated with Solomon? Wise, wise. And I think this story is perhaps the epitome of his wisdom. It's a story of him needing to um, rule between two women who were claiming to be the mother of a newborn child. And obviously, just one of the two women was the mother of the newborn child. But what had happened is in the middle of the night, the um, I won't go into all the details or I get sidetracked. Anyway, Solomon was called to make a judgment on who the rightful mother was of the baby. And both women were claiming to be the mother of the baby. And Solomon said, bring me a sword and I will cut the baby in half. Horrible. I mean, there's a lot of gruesome stuff in the Old Testament. That's why a lot of us want to avoid it. Try not to go to the gruesome, but try to go to the kernel of the teaching here, where Solomon is saying, I'll cut the baby in half, because he absolutely knew that the rightful mother would not let anything happen to that baby. And sure enough, 
the woman who was not the mother of the baby felt that it was fair, cut the baby in half. Nothing happened to the baby other than the baby was brought to its rightful mother. Clarity, wisdom, right? To be able to cut through a situation, to be able to lean into and deal directly with it. These are some of the benefits, I think, that come from the deeper practice that we do in our teaching, the practices of learning to quiet the mind, the practices of learning to be open and receptive to divine guidance and divine wisdom puts us in a position then that we have access to intelligence, if you want to call it, or guidance or wisdom that is beyond just our own. Is that not beneficial? Don't you like the idea that as bright as you might be, as capable as you have become, as smart as you are, as learned as you are, that you don't have to discount that, but that there is something else that you can tap into, which in metaphysics we would call divine mind or divine intelligence. But we access that as we learn to be able to be more skillful in how we use our minds, how we quiet our minds, and how we are able to listen to listen. A third aspect of Arimi, so we have the idea of entering in, we have the idea of clarity and wisdom. A third is this idea of decisiveness or directness. Um, with Arimi, there's an uncomplicated energy. It reminds me of Covey telling us in, in the third habit to put first things first, to put first things first. Again, that makes right alongside a beginning with the end of mind, it makes it so much easier to know what we're going to say yes to with our time and our thoughts and our energy and our resources and what we're going to say no to. How beneficial would that be in our relationships, right? In the decisions that we need to face in our lives. Decisiveness, directness, uncomplicatedness. How about in our communications? Do you think being able to communicate clearly, to communicate directly, could be beneficial? Have you ever either been guilty of or been on the receiving end of what we would call sideways communication? I know that every single one of us would be nodding our heads in agreement. We have all been either on the receiving end of sideways conversation or actually participated in it. What is that? It's when we don't go direct to a person with whom we have some issue or some misunderstanding or some problem. This is not true, but say I had an issue with Mike. Sideways conversation would be I'd go over to Marty and I'd tell Marty all of the things about why I'm upset with Mike. Can Marty do anything other than listen? No. The only way that I'm going to Resolve anything with Mike is how? I have to have a conversation with Mike. It is not helpful. In fact, it is harmful to use it as, a, as an excuse talking to Marty when I need to talk to Mike. Direct communication, right? How many of our business relationships, our friendships, our primary relationships, our, our, our family relationships, our marriages, would be strengthened if we were a little better at communicating directly and uncomplicatedly. Is that such a word? 
simply, simply. There was a book that was popular many years ago written by Ken Keyes, and the book was Prescriptions for Happy, Three Prescriptions for Happiness. And in one of those three prescriptions was this, this prescription, ask for what you want. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's pretty direct in communication. That's very arene, if you will. There's a caveat to it. Ask for what you want, but don't demand it. Right? Think about that for a moment. Think about the last difficult relationship challenge you had where you needed to communicate. Can you see where this idea could be practical and helpful? Going directly, skillfully, not, not like you're going to badger the person, but going directly and asking for what you want, but not demanding it. Clearly communicating what's so for you with the willingness to also what? Listen to and be present to the other. Jesus said, let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. Can't get more simple than that, right? So as I begin to bring this to a close, Aikido is about developing, uh, Aikido on the mat, is about developing skills of self-mastery, physical skills of self-mastery. But the philosophy, which I think we can all learn from and practice, because it is basic spiritual concepts, is the same. It's the idea of developing greater personal mastery through learning and through practice. Through learning and through practice. There's a Japanese story that I want to close with, and it deals with this idea of what mastery looks like. And so it's about a young man who went to a swordmaster, asking the swordmaster to teach him the techniques of the sword. And the young man said to the swordmaster, I'm sorry to offer you this poor student who has no skill with the sword, but please accept me, for the people in my village have no one to defend them but me. And so the swordmaster invited the young man to come and stand before him opposite his sword. And as the young man stood before the old master, the old master's sword in hand, ready to strike, after a short time, the swordmaster lowered his sword and said, you have been dishonest with me. You are a master. You have been dishonest with me. You are actually a master. The young man replied, no, sir, I am not. I don't know anything about swordmanship. The master said, your feeling, though, is that of a master. So tell me what you have been doing. The young man said to him, because I knew I had no skill with a sword, every day I practice facing my own death. Every day I practice facing my own death. The swordmaster looked at him and said, that explains why you have the poise, the strength, the calmness of a master. You have mastered yourself. And now it will be incredibly easy for me to teach you any of the techniques of swordmanship because you 
have mastered the most difficult part. You have mastered yourself. To me, that's what we do together, and that's what we do individually in our practice time, as we practice to become masterful over ourselves, over our, the way we think, the way we comport ourselves in our life, in the ways that we serve and, and show up, we become like that young, that young man. Then we become easy to be trained in anything else that we might need to be trained in. So I hope that in this idea of Irimi, this idea of entering in fully, not pulling back out of fear, if we find ourselves afraid to, to choose to become interested instead, to be proactive, to be clear-minded, and to be able to move forward no matter what kind of situations going on in our lives with a greater degree of skill and much more poise and grace. Namaste.